0: I feel like I could have sang that chorus like 10 more times, you know. Just, I, I just kept thinking about him and just going, wow, you know what? It, it, you think about those angels, like they, they say over and over and over and over again, day and night, just to keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And, and sometimes I read that passage and I think they just repeat the same thing over and over and over again. But sometimes when you do it, it's like each time you say it, it's like you get more into it because you're, you're thinking and your mind's expanding as you think, wow, this, this God, he is, he's in heaven, he's so far beyond me, and why don't I praise him more like this? But sometimes it's good just to repeat those phrases, and even even when we were singing, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm like, that's right, you know, God's given us this life, and over and over again, it's something we should be repeating and, and thanking him for, and that was funny, that guy that, was, that started off the service. I never met him before. I, was, I don't even know his name, but he was funny. I haven't preached sometime. Um, actually, next week, next week I've got a guy coming who goes to our church. It, it, it's great when uh, in this whole community thing, we start building relationships and getting to know these different people that you didn't even know were in the church or using their gifts for the, for the sake of the church. And next week, there's a guy in the church. He's not a preacher um, in fact, he's a, he's a business owner, and uh, he, uh, I, I, just, I interviewed him for, for something, for his video I was making, and the guy was so gifted and so eloquent in, in sharing his thoughts and feelings. I go, have you ever preached? I mean, would you be interested in preaching sometime? And he's going to be teaching next week. This guy, he, uh, he's, he's a trip. He... Um, he uh, got saved in the Jesus movement back in the 70s, you know, just barefoot, nothing, just walking around telling people about Jesus, and then starts this company, and now it's, you know, $30 million a year, you know, type of massive thing, and coming to this point of his life, he's going, man, what, what am I doing with my life, you know, and rethinking things now that, now that he's old, and... Um, and, uh, but you know, the thing is, is, is that's part of the reason why I'm having him is, is so often when I'm gone, someone younger than me will speak and, uh, and, and you hear a lot from younger people and, uh, and, and there's just something I love hearing from an older man who's lived life and thought things through and, and has experienced so much. So I, I really hope you make it next, uh, next weekend. Um, this week, my message is, uh. You know, I'm looking at Galatians 6 at the passage that we didn't really quite finish last week. (sighs) And it's so basic, it is so simple that I almost feel silly preaching this, okay? Because basically the message is teaching, basically this passage is teaching that sin is a bad thing, okay? And serving God is a good thing, okay? I I mean, that's, that's so obvious it's so simple it's like sin is bad no no you know it's a it's a bad thing you know bad things happen when you sin good things happen when you serve it's so obvious but the crazy thing about that truth is that there are some of you in this room that are actually in sin but somehow in your mind you've justified it and you've convinced yourself that it's not that bad, it's okay, and possibly even a good thing. And and there's others who you know that the basic truth of Scripture is following God's a good thing, serving God's a good thing, but right now you're not serving God, and somehow, again, in your mind, you've convinced yourself that it's okay. It's all right, and maybe even a good thing that you're not serving God. And so you're going back to these basic principles of sin is bad, serving God is good. And yet somehow we twist that around, that obvious, obvious truth. Why? Because we are deceived and we deceive ourselves. You see, we, we looked at last week Galatians six three, and we kind of laughed about it because it says if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And it's this phrase of some people actually think they're better than they actually are. Right? We all know that, right? There are people in the world that think that they are better than they actually are and the Bible says they actually deceive themselves you you know how you know how we can lie to each other like I can lie to you I can get you to believe anything Uh, I you know I I just I can lie to you you can lie to me you know how we've all done we've all lied to people right and you know how you think it through you kind of think it through in your mind how you can say it just right to make them think you're better than you are and and we can deceive them and, and it's a thought-through process, and you can actually convince someone of something that's not true. Well, the Bible says that you can actually do that to yourself. You can actually get to a point where you deceive yourself, where you actually lie to yourself. It's this, this word um, in verse 3, is this idea of, of these mind games. It's something that goes on in your head where you distort things. And in your mind, you get yourself to believe things. You, you see, there's, there are times when other people deceive you, right? I mean, we've all been tricked, right? There are times when others will deceive you and lure you into sin. There's, there's other times when Satan himself... You know, it's a demonic thing, and he'll deceive you and lure you into something. But the Bible says there's also a sense in which you can deceive yourself. And I don't know if you've thought about this, but it's the idea that you want something so badly. You just want it so badly that you start justifying in your mind and, and you start coming up with excuses and reasons why it's okay. And then you find people, church-going people, to agree with you. And you talk them into it. Hey, this is okay for me, right? Because blah, 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 blah. And you have all these excuses. And you can find them to agree with you. And they'll go, yeah, yeah, you know what? Yeah, after what he did, after what she, you know... And they just kind of come alongside of you. And then, you see, and the Bible teaches that it's not that you don't know the truth. See, Romans 1, if you study Romans 1, it explains that people actually know truth, but they choose to suppress it because of their desires. See, God has built into you and I this sense in which the law is written in our hearts and this sense in which we can look around the world and know that there is a God, and we know the difference between good and bad. That's what separates us from the animals. Okay, We know what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong, but the Bible says it's not a lack of knowledge. It's we know that truth, but we choose to suppress it because our our desires are evil. We've done it, right? I've done it. There's times I want something so badly, I start playing with it in my mind. I start coming up with excuses of why it's okay. And that process the Bible calls deceiving yourself. It's just like you're fooling someone else. You're trying to fool your own mind. You're trying to fool your own conscience to the point where your conscience will start believing it. And eventually you justify and you feel like it's okay now we've all done that to ourselves the question is is what are you deceiving yourself about right now are you being deceived right now by yourself I, I, I was praying that this morning I, I'm just coming before God okay God am I? what am I justifying because I know I do this and I know that I have this evil side of me that wants things so badly and I can make them sound like a good spiritual thing and so how am I doing that because I don't want to come to the end of my life and realize I lived a lie right I mean we you know I mean haven't you done that where where you you go okay dumb illustration but okay I'll, I'll tell anyways um when I was, uh, I used to work over at Rocky Peak, and I was a youth pastor, and they had, these, uh, they had these martial arts classes, and a lot of my high school students, they were actually taking martial arts over there, and they would go fight in these tournaments, and so I thought to myself, I want to fight in a tournament, you know, I should be able to win a tournament. I don't have any martial arts training but in my head, I don't know why. In my mind, I thought I'm not going to let a bunch of little white kids beat me, you know. Like I, I, I seriously believe like there was something in my blood. I, honest, I don't know why. I, you know, all the movies I watch, the Chinese guy always wins at the end. Those the ones I watch, anyways. You know, and. It was so weird. I mean, I literally in my mind thought I could have no training and go into a tournament, and I thought I would win the thing. I, it was it's so weird how I seriously, seriously believed that. There was no doubt in my mind that I would take this thing. And, uh, and I found out you had to have a certain color belt to get in, so I asked a friend of mine, to go can I have one of those belts, you know? And, uh, and he says, well, just memorize these six moves. I was like, okay, hoo, hoo, hoo. all right, here's your belt. And, uh, and so I go to this tournament thinking, oh, I'm going to dominate, you know? And I'm like, what? You know, I'm just making all these noises and just trying to punch this guy, you know? And I, I felt like I was winning, you know, because I was hurting him, you know? But I I wasn't doing anything right and I I lost every bout. But um, it's so weird in my head. I look back to that and go, why did I think that? Because I saw a bunch of movies where the Chinese people win. You know, it just didn't. How did I get myself really, truly believing that? It makes no sense. And and yet, on in a more serious note, I, I think we do that. We do that with sin. We'll watch a bunch of movies that glamorize sin. And so somehow in our mind, we believe now that, well, you know what? Everyone's doing that. You know, it's even on these movies, everyone watches. So God probably changed his mind. What kind of reasoning is that? That, you know what? So many people do that, that it's probably not that bad. And it's like, wow. Are you serious? Do you really think that? That God changed? Or is it just all of these people deceiving you and then you wanting it so badly yourself that you start to deceive yourself? Um, Galatians 6, verse 7. I I say this a lot, but I really mean it. This is one of my favorite verses. Galatians 6, 7. I'm just going to say it because it's true. It's just so simple. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked a man reaps what he sows. It's just so blatant, so obvious, but I think so needed in our culture, in our society, just to be reminded, okay, don't be dumb. Don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. Don't let yourself wander. That's what this word means to actually wander. Don't don't go down this path. Don't stray from this truth that God cannot be Mocked. It's the idea of ridiculing someone because you've tricked them. It's this idea that God says, what are you going to do? You're going to do something that I don't see? You're going to do something and actually get away with it? He says, no, it is a law, okay? This is a law. This is an absolute truth. Okay, so don't be deceived. Don't play mind games. Don't Don't get all these thoughts in your head. Here's just an absolute truth. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. It's just a law. Whatever you throw in, you're going to get back. If you, if you plant corn, you're not going to get avocados. You know, it's just, it's just you're going you're gonna to pay for whatever you do. Okay, God is not mocked. He's not someone that you can fool or trick. You can trick me. You can lie to me. I've been lied to so many times. And it's so funny how people are so fearful. Oh, I don't want him to find out. I don't want her to find out. I'm like, who cares? What am I going to do? You know, what are these other what are What are these other people going to do? But God is not mocked. You will never, never lie to Him, and get away. You can get other people to believe you're better than you are. I, I, I mean, when I hear people talk, I isn't it just so hard to believe anyone anymore? Like when someone tells you something, you you try to read between the lines, you try to look them in the eyes, and go, "What are they really saying?" I wonder what the real truth is because we've all been lied to so many times. And God goes, you know what? Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. You may be deceived because you've been used to lying to everyone. and They actually believe you. And so in your head, you almost feel like maybe I can do it to God. Maybe at the end, I can talk him into believing that it was because of this reason or that because everyone else seems to believe me. And God says, no, at the end, just understand, you're not going to make a fool of me. I will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. I was thinking about this because, uh, so how do I make sure I'm not deceiving myself? Because if I'm deceived, obviously that means I don't know that I'm deceived. Or sometimes I deceive myself and I'm doing it on purpose. But maybe, maybe I'm deceiving myself and I don't even know it. So what do I do? You know, the psalmist in Psalm thirty nine. he talks about how, God, you've searched me, you know me, and at the end of his prayer, he says, search me, God. God, you, you show me right now. He he had to get alone with God and saying, you know what, I can fool everyone, so I, I can even fool myself. And so let me get away from everyone. And I'm not just talking about alone time where you are sincerely alone with yourself. I'm talking about alone time in which you see yourself in the presence of a holy God who knows everything. And then and, and the thought of, okay, God, let's pretend it's judgment day right now and I am standing before you and your throne What is the truth at that moment? Because that's when the truth will come out. When you're before a holy God and you got no one else to fool, and it's not even about fooling yourself because you can even pull that off. And now you're before God and you think, okay, here is God. He knows everything about me. That's why the psalmist says, okay, you know everything, so you search me. You tell me what's offensive in me. You show me what I'm doing that's offending you because I can't even find that myself sometimes. It's like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 4, he goes, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. See, because we can play tricks with our own conscience. We can deceive our own conscience. He goes, but that doesn't matter. Even if I feel justified right now, maybe I feel just, but the truth is, is God's going to judge me anyways. So I, I think of myself, okay, before God, before God who knows all of my tricks, all of my clever ways of making myself sound better than I am, What will he say? The only one who knows the truth about me. The absolute truth about me. And God says, don't be deceived. I I will not be mocked. Let's face it, most people, even church attenders, live as though they're not really going to be judged. Most people live as though that day's not really going to come when we stand before God and He's actually going to get to judge us. We, don't, we, we say we believe that, but do we live like we believe that? See, and the Bible teaches there will be a day. That day is going to come. Why? Because God is not mocked. Because God cannot be mocked. See, if there were no judgment day, then the truth would be that it sure seems like a lot of people are getting away with a lot of things. And it sure seems like they're mocking God because He's not striking them dead at the moment. And God says, No, 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 no. There will come a day. There will come a day because I will not be mocked and I cannot be mocked. I will not be mocked. There will come a day. A man will reap what he sows because I'm not deceived. I'm not deceived. Do not think you're fooling me. When he says a man reaps what he sows, it's interesting because the context of it, remember, if you remember from last week, we stopped at verse verse 6 where it says that, um, that, that we should share all good things with our instructor, right? Remember that? And uh, by the way, someone took me to the Laker game on Wednesday, so that was a good example of that. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it's the whole idea of Sharing good things with your instructor, but that, that's not really the point of it. But it, it uh, but um, but it was a good game. It. Uh, what am I saying now? It's this whole idea. Okay, okay, let me get back to it. Um, okay, he has just said, you know, you share these things with the person who instructs you in the Word of God, and then he says, you know, don't be mocked. Um, you'll reap what you sow, and it's this whole idea of the idea of giving to these people back then, um, these individuals who were going out and sharing the gospel, by giving to them, the idea was you were giving to their ministry. You were giving to the furthering of this good news of Jesus being the Lord uh, of all creation. Um, so, so the whole idea is, he says, when you give, when you give and you share with those, or really for the ministry, he says you're sowing into something eternal. Okay, you, you, you know how we can spend things on things that don't last, that aren't eternal? We've all done it. I, I've spent money, I've spent so much money on myself through my lifetime, and you think, okay, am I really that excited about those things I, you know, whatever, $100,000, you know, whatever it is that I spent in the past, you today go, ooh, I'm so glad I did that. I still feel the benefits of it. Not really, Right. You just go, that was dumb. I mean, it was fun for a little moment, but was it really worth it? But then there's this other idea of you give to things that are eternal. Like, I've also given to the poor. I've also given to people, you know, who are in need. And you know what? That kind of sticks with you, doesn't it? It's this whole idea of, okay, I can give to things. I can sow seed and give to myself for my enjoyment. And that doesn't really last. But he says, but then if you sow into something that's eternal... You know, you sow into the Spirit. You actually do what God leads you to do, even with your finances. And those are things that don't go away. Those are things that give you something that is eternal. See, if you look at um, verse uh, 8, the next verse, it says, The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So he says there's two things you can invest in. There's two different types of seeds you can throw out there. You can throw out the seeds that, that, that will create a, you know, fulfill your sinful desires. But then there's other seed that you throw out that, that will actually please God. So it's this fight between your own desires and God's desires. Now he says the result of sowing into your own desires is destruction. He goes, it's a rule. It's a law. You don't, you don't sow into your own sinful desires and somehow reap this benefit or blessing from God. It, it'll never happen. It never has happened in the history of mankind. He goes, but there's this other law that if you sow to please the Spirit and you try to seek to please God, you'll always be rewarded. And he says, these rewards actually are eternal. It's an eternal reward. It's a life that lasts now, when he talks about this sowing to please his sinful nature, just a few verses before in, um, in chapter 5, starting verse uh, 19-ish, he, uh, he explains what the sinful nature is. In Galatians five nineteen. if you turn back in your Bibles, it says, the acts of the sinful nature... So what is he talking about? Sowing into your sinful nature. In verse 19, he says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Here's what they are. Sexual immorality impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he makes his list of of these different sins and he calls it your sinful nature. That means inside of you there's something in all of us that wants those things. Maybe not all of them, but at different points in life, you know, you'll want different ones of those, and you you desire these things. And if you go for it, if you head in that direction, he says, you know what, it's going to lead to destruction. The word for destruction is decay or ruin. You, You can't pursue those things and end up with blessing. You just won't. God will not be mocked. It will always, 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 every time you sin, it is the worst for you. There will always be repercussions from that. It will always lead to ruin. It's a law. You can't sin and win out. Now the question is, is, do you believe that? I mean, do you really believe that right now, as you look at your life and you know there are things you're doing that God's not pleased with, do you really believe in your head, you know what, this is not good for me? This is not the best thing for me. This is actually going to destroy me. This is going to lead to ruin. Do you believe that law or have you believed the lie of it's not that bad? Because it's amazing how media and Hollywood and everyone else and the general prevailing thought of our culture is these things aren't that bad and they actually can lead you to pleasure. I mean, I'll, I'll be, sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'll actually be rooting for someone to commit adultery. You know, they make it so beautiful. They, you get so into this, this uh, movie or program and you start thinking, oh, I hope they get together. You know, why? Because they've made it so beautiful, so wonderful, such a great thing. And, and so somehow in our mind, I mean, I've heard people that, that kind of belittle this whole idea of, you know, let's, let's, let's take sexual immorality. For, you know, sex outside of marriage, sex before you're married, sex outside of, you know, being married. And it's like, well, you know what, everyone does it. It's, you know, probably 80, 90% of the church has done it. So, so what's the big deal? And, and somehow in our mind, we start deceiving ourselves. It doesn't really lead to ruin. It doesn't really lead to destruction. Even though we know in the Old Testament, if someone was caught just once, they would take them outside the city gates and stone them to death. Because God hated it that much. Even though God says, you know what, every other sin a man commits is outside of his body. He goes, but when you sin sexually, you know how sick this is? He goes, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit and you're taking the Holy Spirit and you're joining him to some prostitute, some whore. That's one thing if you want to do something for yourself. But now you are a temple of the Holy Spirit and you're going to have a union. You're taking God into, you know how sick that is in the mind of God? It's like you're, you're raping God. That's what the picture is that scripture gives. Like it's that evil. Like, wow, you're going to do that to me? No wonder he says, take him outside the city gates and stone him to death. Stone her to death. Because it's that ugly to me. It is that disgusting to me. That's, that's from God's perspective. That's when you stand before the judge. You can find all sorts of friends right now, even within the church, telling you, oh, that's okay, oh, that's not so bad. You know, well, I've done it a few times. You know, on and on and on. But I'm talking about the day when God is not mocked, and we just mock him right now, like, come on, we're not cavemen here. It's the year 2008, come on, you know, the it, it, this isn't as bad as what those guys are doing over there. At least I'm not hurting anyone. And God says, are you kidding me? Are you, are you mocking me right now? You're mocking my laws? Because I will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And the sins that I said were bad back then are bad today. Because uh, I, I never change. And you think, well, you know, that was the Old Testament. That was God the Father. You know, New Testament Jesus. He's a lot nicer. No. Jesus says, "No, I was the same yesterday, today, and forever. I hated it then. I hate it now. I'll hate it for all of eternity. It's all the same. It's all the same. And yet, somehow, we can deceive ourselves. Okay? And, and you guys, uh, this isn't uh, this isn't about um, judging. Because is there forgiveness? Absolutely. I wouldn't be on this stage if there were not forgiveness and there were not grace." The whole book of Galatians is about forgiveness and about grace. But it's about you coming to the end of yourself and not fooling yourself into thinking that, well, what I've done wasn't so bad. If that's you, then there is no grace there. But if you come to the end of yourself and say, you know, what I've done is awful. What I've done is sick and an abomination in the sight of God. And I am so sorry for it and I truly confess it. Then the Bible says, you know what? He's faithful and just And he'll forgive you of all of, even that. Even those most repulsive, disgusting sins. God goes, I'll forgive you of all of that. Why? Because my son paid for it on the cross. And I want to show you what a loving God I am. I want to show you that there is no one that will show you grace like I have. You you can be like that prodigal son that won and did everything horrible, repulsive in my sight. And the moment you turn and really turn and really are broken, I'll come running out to you and not just say, okay, I'll take you back as a slave. No, I'll take you back. I'll, put, I'll have a party. I will have a feast for you because I love you so much and my grace is so amazing. Okay, so understand that I am not, this is not about, oh, it's, you know, for those who have repented and turned around, man, you are beautiful in the sight of God. We are beautiful. We are pure in the sight of God. He is crazy about us, but I'm speaking to those who are still dabbling in it and those who are considering it and actually think that you may get away with it and saying, don't go there. But I love the second part of that verse where it says, but if you seek to please the Spirit, um, this whole idea of the one who sows to please the Spirit. I love this. Think about this. He goes, the, the, when you sow, like you can throw those evil seeds out, you're going to f- face destruction. Okay, that's, that's the bad news. Bad news good news, however you look at it. But here's the stuff I love. He says, this is so cool. Every time I think to myself, what would the Holy Spirit want me to do right now? Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago, keeping in step with the Spirit. He goes, every time you think to yourself, okay, what would God want me to do right now? And you actually do it. He says what you reap, what, see, what you get every single time. Yeah, I love this, every single time. Like right now, if I'm thinking, okay, God, what would you really want me to say? And I actually say it and I actually do it. There's a reward for me. And it's not, it's not like these earthly pleasures you get like we talked about earlier where, yeah, you enjoy the sin for a little bit or you enjoy, you know, just sowing just into yourself for a little bit and then it just goes away or even becomes this sense of guilt for the rest of your life. He goes, when you please me, when you seek to speak, you know, to, to sow into the Spirit, it's something that lasts. It's a life that you get when you serve God. Every single time you seek to sow into the spirit, and, and you know the Holy Spirit's lead I mean, think about it in life, remember those times when you had to make a decision and you decide to go with what God wanted you to do? Think back to those decisions. Isn't there still a sense of pleasure from that? It's like, I, that's a life. You you get that feeling of life at that moment, but it's this life that lasts. It's an eternal life, and, and the Bible is talking about when we sow into the Spirit. Man, these are eternal things, and we'll see the reward of that for all of eternity. It's it's a it's in a pretty pretty amazing thing. Um, some of you uh, currently you're making decisions like that. Where you're serving God and you're doing things in the name of God. And that's a great thing. You're investing your life into eternity because you believe it. But understand that there's an enemy out there and he's going to try to deceive you. And he's going to try to discourage you. And he's going to try to get you to quit doing those things that are so honoring to him. That are building his kingdom. And that's why the next verse is so important. Verse 9. Where he says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap our harvest if we do not give up. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's not become weary. The word weary, you guys know what it means. It means tired, weak, failure, ready to quit. Don't get to that point in doing good. And it's interesting because... Uh, let me just say this. This is the simplest way I can think to, to say this. The opposite of sinning is not not sinning. Okay, The opposite of sinning is doing good. Okay, That's why he says, let us not become weary in doing good. Okay, see, some people pride themselves on going, I haven't done that, I haven't done that, I haven't done that. You know, those are all really bad things. I have yet to kill someone, I have yet to, you know, commit adultery, really, you know, I have yet to, you know, on and on and on. You guys, the Bible gives us two ways of living. One is you are in pursuit of your flesh and the other is you're in pursuit of the Spirit, the things that God wants you to do. That's why he says don't get tired of doing good. It's says pursuit of good. That's the opposite of sin. Either I pursue the things that God wants me to do or I pursue the things that I want to do. There's not this middle stage where I don't do anything really bad. I don't do really anything for God. But I, there, this fence here is owned by Satan. Okay, that belongs on this side. Either I am pursuing the things I want to do or not want to do, or I'm pursuing the things of God. There's not this middle ground. And and that's why he says, let's not become weary. Let's not get tired in doing good. Um, There are are many of you, I I, I know, that you've held on for so long. You've fought for something for so long. And it gets harder every year. I don't know what it is. For some of you, it's, it's the addictions. That, man, it seems like it gets tougher and tougher to fight. And then you go through a hard time and you, you want to justify, well, life's really bad right now, so can't I indulge a little bit? And you're just tired because life will wear you out. And the Bible says don't grow tired. Come on, hang in there. Hang in there. Just a little bit longer. Don't give up. Don't give up right now. Don't give up. Because that day is coming. And, and th- there's a law here. There's a law here. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest. If we don't give up. If you don't give up. See, and I know it. I mean, every weekend and every service, there are some of you that are ready to give up in some area of your life. You're ready to just quit and go, Man, I just can't take it anymore. And it's like, wow, you're right at the finish line. Man, sometimes, man, I've met people that are right at the finish line and they decide to just stop right there. I'm like, oh man, man, it was like ten more yards, or you ran twenty five miles, you got one point two more to go, and you quit right there. And that's the way we do in the in our Christian life. And it's like, man, I'm go you're going, you're going, you're going. You read in the Bible, you know it, Reading through the kings drives you crazy, doesn't it? Because it's like these, these guys that are following God, following God, and then they go, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. You're like, oh, come on, you're like 70, 80 years old, and now you're going to turn from God? What can you really enjoy that much anyways? You know, just keep going. Why did you do that? Why did you quit? And it's like, man, you would have reaped the harvest. You would have done it, but you gave up. And the Bible says, don't, this is a law. Don't give up. Don't grow tired. I know, man, how many times have we all thought about quitting? But we can't, we can't, we can't. Why? Because we know this is a law. This is a law. I just got to finish the race. I got to fight that good fight. Like Paul says, I want to come to the end of my life and go, oh, I did it. I ran the good race. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. Amen? You know? Oh. So we just keep doing good, keep doing good, keep doing good, and I know you're tired. Some of you guys are teaching, you're discipling kids, you're working with youth, you're working with your own children, and uh, man, and it just gets tiring, tiring, tiring. But you got to stay the course. It's going to be worth it in the end. I promise you. That I can promise you. No one has ever regretted serving God. There's moments. There's moments when you're thinking, "Was it worth it? Should I have done it?" Should... No, but on that day, I promise you, God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow, and that's a good thing. For those of you who are serving God, do not give up, because we'll reap a harvest. And then finally, last verse we'll look at. He says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay? Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let's do good. Let's just do good, okay? That's the opposite of not sinning, is, is doing good and pursuing the things that God wants. Just keep serving. Don't give up. Do good. Do good to all people, okay? All people. That means you're enemies, okay? That, that's what distinguishes a Christian from the rest of the world, is the Bible says, look, if you love those who love you back, what, what reward is there in that? Anyone can do that. He goes, but I'm telling you, you love your enemies. You do good to those who hate you. You bless those who curse you. You know, And that's the way you become sons of your Father in heaven. That's how you start looking like God. That's how you become a reflection of Jesus. Is, is Jesus was nailed to the cross. On that cross, he was being nailed for all our sins. And all these people are saying, crucify, crucify. and crucify And Jesus says to the Father, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's still seeking to do Good. He was dying for the ones who were crucifying him. And he says, you want to be Christ to the world, then you do good. Do good to all people, even to to the people who hate you. Just keep doing good to all people. But then he says, you know, and especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There, there ought to be, you know what, we're, we're in this kingdom together. That's what we've been talking about, right, for the, for the last couple of months, is, is we're family. There's, there's, there's a deeper tie here, the spiritual family, where it's like, okay, what's mine is yours. That's the way those early believers lived, because they really believed in eternity. Like, I'm going to spend forever with this guy, you know, forever, and so this stuff on earth, this is really ain't going to matter. This is just a big test. It's a, it's a game. And, 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 and am I going to get through this thing? Am I going to survive this thing and not give up and run that race? And then for all of eternity, I'm set with these people. He says, don't, don't grow tired. Let's not grow tired of doing good to each other, especially to each other in this room. Let's keep loving each other, caring for each other. I was thinking about that phrase, Verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity. The point is, while you still have the chance, because this, this life is short. But, but how many really take that phrase seriously? While you have the opportunity. Because we're, we're procrastinators, right? But while you have the opportunity. I mean, tomorrow is going to come, right? A lot of you just went, hmm. <laughs> you did, because you just, yeah, it is. We don't, because we don't take this phrase seriously while we have opportunity. Going, well, I don't know. I, I was thinking about this, and I'm, I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks, because on Wednesday I leave for Brazil to go speak to a bunch of college students. And then uh, from Brazil, I go straight to Africa to speak to some more college students. Um, it's interesting, Todd's and. In, Africa right now. Nate and Josh are heading off to Israel. We're just like in all these different places, I come, I go. You know what? So that means for the next two weeks. Next week is uh, you know Ron will be speaking to you, I, which I, I can't wait. And then the week after that, Todd, who hasn't spoken in a while, is going to come back and speak to you. And and then I'll be back the week after that. So three weeks. You won't see my face for three weeks. And it would be so presumptuous. For me to actually believe that I would see all of your faces in three weeks, and that nothing will change over three weeks of life, I mean, I start thinking, okay, while well, I have opportunity, because I, I would be willing to bet large sums of money that there are some of you that I will speak to today that I will never speak to again the rest of my life on Earth. Whether it be that something happens to me, or something happens to you, or you, you know, maybe you're a visitor this first time you came, and you go, wow, he says my sin's bad, I'm leaving, you know, and, and I never see you again, you know, I mean, what are the odds of all whatever 4,000 people being here in three weeks, and that we'll maintain, no, I go, you know what, this could be my last opportunity, I don't know what's going to happen to me, I don't know what's going to happen to you, Three weeks? So what's the most loving thing I could say or do for you? And I really thought the most loving thing I could say is to get you to go into the presence of God and ask yourself if you're deceiving yourself. Because I think a lot of people fool themselves. And I see a lot of people that I love fooling themselves. I've seen myself deceiving myself. And that's why you guys have been on this journey with me a couple of years ago. I just had to get away and go, man, am I fooling myself? Do I, as the pastor of Cornerstone Church, really follow this book and love it and believe it? Am I for real? Because I don't want to fool myself. And I know. There are some of you that are kidding yourselves, and some of you know you're fooling yourselves because you want to fool yourself, because you don't really want to know the truth. And for me to believe that everyone that comes to this church is going to be in heaven with me, does anyone believe that? So, what's the most loving thing I can say is man, I don't know who you're fooling, but you're not fooling anyone that matters. In the long run. Because there's one person we're we're seeking to to please here and live for. There's one person that's worth living for. And he will not be mocked. And so you think you're getting away with something. I'm just promising you, you're not. And for some of you, man, that we've been walking with the Lord together for years. And struggles are going to come up in your life and my life. And you're going to be tempted to quit. And I'm just telling you, don't. Do not. Please. I promise you, you will regret it. I promise you, it's going to be worth it. See, I'm living my life. I'm trying to live my life, I should say, for that day when I can say I told you so. You know? when I look at my kids, look at my wife, look at my friends that I love, look at so many of you, and I go, didn't I tell you it was going to be worth it? And when everyone else was screaming to you, just quit, just quit, just give up. It's too hard. You got all these excuses and everyone's saying, and I told you, and I looked you in the eye and said, look, don't. I promise you this will be worth it. There's no such thing as going overboard for God. Okay? The more you invest, the more you sow into it, you will never regret this. See, there are many people who talk, and the Bible talks about this throughout the whole thing. There are many people who say, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 12. When I was really, you gave your life to Jesus? Did you really? Or did you deceive yourself? Because if you gave it to him, you sure did take a lot of it back. You know? I mean, think about it to evaluate did I really? Am I really in this thing? Do I really believe I'm forgiven? Or are you deceiving yourself there where you're still working your way and trying to do these good works, trying to prove to God? Or do you really believe His grace where you go, no, I know He loves me. I'm not just fooling myself. I know He's in love with me. I'm secure in my walk with the Lord. He's crazy about me because I really do believe that His Son died on that cross for me. And I really have joined this body of believers and I am so thrilled about it, I am not going to give up. It's tiring, you guys, but we can't quit. It's worth it. I mean, think about all the things you sacrificed or suffered for the sake of the Lord. Do you regret any of it? Or aren't those the things that are life that lasts to this day versus all those times you indulged and you're filled with either regret or no feeling whatsoever? Why? Because that pleasure didn't last. This is life. That lasts. This is life eternal living in the kingdom. That's why I love it. Because I know that whatever I do for God, it lasts and the pleasure lasts and it's forever. And God promises me it'll be worth it. A hundredfold, a thousandfold. You're going to be blessed so much for whatever you do and give. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And uh, during this time, you know, do business with God. During this time, be dealing with God. Even as you're singing, think about God on His throne because that's the only time you can't lie. See, we we have a prayer room over here if you need some prayer, but people come in the prayer room just to lie sometimes, you know? Because it makes you feel better. Oh, you fooled someone in the prayer room. You know? it's like, oh, okay, he was okay with it and he talked him into it and it's like... guys is that what this is about that's why it's like it's about god and what the prayer room is for is is for for some of the pastors counselors because you really do want to know the truth and you really do want help and you do want to get in because you weren't meant to do this on your own and going you know what i'm going to quit deceiving let me just tell you the truth about me and help me to get out of it because i want to get out of it and others of you that go you know what i think i deceived myself and i've never really given my life to the lord I want, to, I want to give it to Him. I want to follow Him. And I want to get baptized. Because the Bible doesn't talk about, hey, if you really believe this, pray a prayer. No, what the, we deceived ourselves with that one. What the, prayer, what the Bible says, is if you believe this stuff and you're cut to the heart, repent and be baptized. Turn your life over to God. Follow Him. And if you want to get baptized today, you're welcome to do that after this worship set. But let's... Uh, Let's, let's forget about the other people necessarily and what they think of you right now in the presence of God. Let's worship him. Let's worship him with all of our hearts.